G'day and hello everybody. It's great to be together and it's uh, great to just uh, come and we're going to jump into the Word again, how good. Uh, and it's great that we can be together. Uh, we have this morning Mr. Syme. He was the preacher from Sunday, so he's in the hot seat. We've got Kerry. Uh, Kerry's up here and always has some wisdom to impart. And I'm, I'm Caleb. And Josh is up there on the tech, but this time he hasn't got a camera focused on him. But uh, it's great to be together. Uh, just love to mention before we get into it, remember we are actively looking for your questions in this time too. So on the comments, whether you're watching this in the recording or live, please chuck through your questions because we'll either answer in the moment or definitely we'll come back to it next week and manage to address some of those thoughts that you have because... This stuff is just, uh, it's just gold and we love to speak into what your questions are. Uh, so we're going to kick off by reading the passage again. And uh, this week we were looking at Mark 10, Mark 10, 13. We're almost halfway through. How about that? So good. Uh, so we're looking at Mark 10, 13 to 31. And it comes up like this. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples and he said to them, let the children come to me and don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hold on their heads, hands on their heads even, and blessed them. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, and you must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them, but Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Jesus, yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my name, for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. 
But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Let's just uh, say a prayer because that's so much and we need some help with this one. Uh, Let's just quickly pray and then we're going to get into some conversation. Lord God, you're good and your word is good. It is the truth that we look to live by and we pray you guide our conversation as we facilitate it, but also bring up questions and stir in people's hearts as we talk. Amen. 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 Wow. Uh, That's a huge passage. There is so much in that and it is uh, absolutely amazing the different like nuggets we get from it. But uh, Mr. Simon, you're the one that preached on it. Give us some of the uh, the the week, the build up into coming into that sermon. How did you get to the point you did? What were you thinking about? And uh, what what was it that brought you to the point that brought you to that message? Okay, thanks, Caleb. Um, let me preface by saying this: uh, these two uh, incidences that are recorded in Mark, so uh, the, the letting the little children come to Jesus and, and being blessed. Is one of the really, you know, um, well-known passages uh, within the Bible. You know, and, and you always see a picture of Jesus kneeling down with the long hair and and saying, "Let the little children come to me." You know, um, so we've got that image that gets portrayed through uh, Christian literature and imagery um, and throughout um, history of how children are meant to come in. So we've got that sitting there, and then we've got another one of the really classic passages that um, are really well known about how hard it is for the rich um, to come into the kingdom of God. So, But also the, the, the passage about um, the camel going through the eye of the needle. So that, that's all wrapped up together and they're really, you could take each one individually, which we could have, but as we're looking through these, uh, the, Mark's gospel, we actually notice that there are key things that link together and and stories and interactions that link together. And that's actually what really drew me to the point about preaching about the kingdom of God. And that's only one of the things that link these passages together. So, you know, Jesus is talking about and he's preaching about and he's wanting his disciples to know what the kingdom of God is about. And so that links through this encounter, so it's little children will come in, but you have to enter like a little child like this. This is who the kingdom of God is for. And then he's also talking about how it's so hard for the rich to come in. It's so hard for people to come into the kingdom of God, but for God there's, there's, it's all possible. So we've got this linking thread that and as I said on Sunday, it starts from the beginning of Mark's Gospel, starts from the first words recorded from, from Jesus and weaves its way through about the kingdom of God and what that is all about. So I thought it was a really high time to actually focus on how that weaves through this passage and what's so important about it. But I wanted to share with you another one of the things that weave through these two. It is. <laughs> this, is this is the joy about prepping uh uh, the passages, and, and and sometimes it's only when you read it again, not in isolation, but when you read it together. So when you read it through, because often, you know, when, when we study um, the Bible, we'll study a section, um, and it, it's, it's wonderful how we have little headings because that helps us 
in the breaking up of the passages. But often what we do is we read it and then we stop at the headings. We don't actually move forward. And we need to understand that those, those headings are there to help us, but they're not actually part of the original texts. They're actually... Uh, breaks of thematic breaks. That yeah, it's not reflective of the continuity in the story. Yep. Yeah. So the original readers um, of this would actually be just reading through. And so you'd actually have these two just weave together. And th- there's not necessarily the logical break that we've placed on there for ourselves with these headings. So when we read it, we read it and then stop. And, and then we will focus on uh, Jesus' interaction with the little children. And then we'll come to it and we'll read the the rich and how hard it's for the rich to come in. And and because we've read them in two separate segments, we actually don't get those connections uh, through the passage. So it's actually really important to read before and after the passage you're wanting to study because you've got to see how they link together and how the story weaves its way through. So as we look at this, there's, there's something that really struck me. And I know I didn't bring it up. Um, in the message, but I thought this is a really great time to bring it out because when you, when you look at what's happening with the um, parents bringing um, their children to Jesus to be blessed, what, here's, here's what you notice. The, the story is showing who is actually hindering people coming to Jesus, people coming to know Jesus, and who are they, people? It's the, the disciples. disciples. It's the disciples. <laughs> okay. So it's, the disciples are being uh, actually hindering people coming to Jesus. And that you, you think that, wow, wow. And, and that's when Jesus actually gets angry about it. But then you also will notice that when you start looking through the, the rich man, what is it that's hindering the rich man to come to Jesus? He comes and wants to go, I want to know how to get all of these things. And then he says, the money. Your lifestyle, what you're placed your trust in is hindering you coming to Jesus. So weaving through this is what are the things that are hindering us from coming to Jesus? Sometimes it's internal stuff that we do. Sometimes it's things that we place um, in ourselves or what we trust in ourselves that stop us from coming to Jesus. And other times it's actually external people that stop us from coming to Jesus. So the relationships you might have with other people and they will hinder you. And in this case, it's actually the disciples, which then really speaks volumes, if we really want to take it that step further, then as a church and as individual believers, are we hindering people from coming to Christ? Mm. As disciples of Jesus ourselves. (laughs) Exactly. And our expectations, because the disciples' expectations in both cases were contrary to Jesus' understanding of the kingdom of God. They were sending the children away. Don't bother Jesus. But Jesus contradicts them. And then they think the rich man is the man who's going to get into heaven. And he goes, no, you've got yep. it all wrong, guys. Because, because he's got all this blessing that's happened. So he's got, you've got, he's got it all going for him, this rich man, hasn't he? He's got the money. He's got all of those things. And he's been following to the letter of the law. And yet what happens? Just, you're not getting in, mate. <laughs> Very Australian kind of way of doing it. Just go, yeah. mate, you're not getting in. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you, you just haven't cut it. It doesn't matter how much you try and do this, there is still something holding you back. Yeah. And it's not by works. You know, that's, that's the whole works. thing. You can accumulate all the wealth in the world or like this young rich man or you can get success, fame. It's not the point. 
we all fall short of the glory of God and that's why we need Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we were reading in Life Group yesterday, Proverbs, where this chunky saying that says, better to be poor and honest than to be rich and dishonest. So it's like the kingdom of God is upside down really in terms of our values and our expectations and how we expect God to act, that God's grace and mercy are contrary to the way we judge a lot of things. So there's a really pointy question there of what's holding you back. If we flip the coin, and maybe I'm moving on a bit quickly, but if we flip the coin, it's really also a, um, a, a story and a recount of dependency, isn't it? You know, it, it's God's got to be the dependency. Uh, and so the, the, yeah, the children are coming in because they're dependent on, mm. you know, and the people that can't, are dependent on what's held, holding them to the world, yeah. that that riches, the wealth, that's their dependency. And that it's not till you recognize the, the um, gift of God and that we become dependent on that until you can actually enter into the kingdom. Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful point. Yeah, the contrast between the children and this man who seems to have it all. He's obeyed all the laws, he's accumulated wealth, seems to be, you know, tick all the boxes. But his dependency is not on God. Yeah. Mm. So you know, and I, I what I wanted to do was just kind of look at that passage uh, around Jesus and the little children, just a little bit more in depth, just to kind of lovely look at it a bit for us, so we can we can pick out a few things that are really important in in terms of, and this is what I want us to do. So. So often when we have the Bible, we can actually leave it back um, in the space of, of back in the time of when Jesus was there. But what we actually need to do is we need to be able to read, and, and I love the acronym that, that we often use to help us understand um, the Bible, uh, which is SOAP. So often what we'll talk about, and you, we need to understand that Scripture and the Bible is what we're talking about. So we'll interchange the words around. Um, Scripture's a little bit more um, uh, jargonish, you know, Christianese kind of thing because we talk about this as being Scripture. But that, that's okay. But it, So we, we first of all start with Scripture. We start with actually what it says um, in the Bible and then we observe what is happening, what, who's... Who's, what's the interplay with things? Um, what, what characters are there? We observe that. So, so like when we're looking at like the, the little children and Jesus, we're actually observing that the disciples were the ones that stopped. It wasn't other people. It was the disciples. So we observe who's interacting. We're observing the parents bringing their children for blessing. So the parents have got some spiritual connection there. So we, we observe and we see things and, and then we think about what's that application for us? So how do we apply that to our life? So what, what we, we see what the Bible is saying. We, we observe what's happening and then we apply it. How, what, does, what does it mean for us? And then we come into prayer about it. So that's why I, I just wanted to highlight that as a really great tool to use. Really good. When you come and read the, read the Bible because what we're doing as we're going around this little chat is we're actually doing that. We actually do that. Just You'll see, we'll jump into it, uh, we'll, we'll see what it says, we'll observe the characters and then we'll you know, bring it, have a look in an application what it means for our lives. We just did it then a moment ago. So I just want to highlight it that that's actually 
the process that we're using. That's actually the point of what we're doing so that w the Bible speaks into our lives and brings a change in our lives. And doing it this way means you're not speaking into the Bible, which is one of the most important parts when you're reading it is you can't put yourself into it. You actually got to let it change you. Yep. So coming back into this little children and Jesus, I, I think it's really important for us to see what Jesus says about the little children and why he says it about the little children and especially what that, how that relates to the kingdom of God. So, uh, you know, um, Josh, do you want to just throw up for us again on the screen, verse 14 and, and then on to 15? So, so when Jesus saw what was happening, so when Jesus actually saw what was happening with the disciples, so he's seeing this interaction. So it's, it's, it's actually not within his uh, sphere at the moment. His, his disciples are further out. Now, we don't know whether they are the close disciples or whether they're, um, so like the 12 disciples that were following around and really got close with Jesus. They are disciples. So they are people who are following and wanting to know the way of Jesus. Um, so they might actually be outside of those tools. We actually, the, the, the Bible doesn't tell us. So we can't, we can't assume one way or another. All we can say is that they were disciples. They were outside of where Jesus specifically was. But he sees this interaction happening and the disciples trying to shoo away a group of people. Now, when we start to think about that for an application in our lives, are we not close to Jesus and hearing and therefore just on the fringes and pushing people away? So it really kind of, the, the closer you come, the more in tune, more in step you are with Jesus and, and knowing what he's wanting, the less likely you are to be shooing people away because you're wanting to be, your heart's being opened up. Um, and and I, I remember Caleb bringing this point up clearly in one of his messages that that we have a romantic notion around children. <laughs> and he's going, yeah. Yeah, that was a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we romanticise our what our children is, and, and rightly so, you know. Okay. We, we live in a different time and a different society um, and, and a lot of it's to do with our affluence, a lot of it's to do with our, our knowledge of medicine and how that has really stepped up. Um, but, you know, no parent wants to see their child die, but, you know, that was actually an occurrence. Uh, and so it was actually really important for parents to come and get a blessing for their children because they didn't want them to be just left and, and to, to have nothing. Um, especially if they were to die. So we see um, this in more third world countries where, where parents are really concerned about their children. They, they're not um, dismissive, but it's a different, a different worldview and a different realisation about what life is like. The framework's just completely different, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the framework's completely different around that. And so, and, and this, is, uh, this is not to say that people in... Um, poorer countries don't care for their kids. They absolutely 100% care for the kids in the same level. It's just they don't have access to the same level of stuff that we have. And so we, we, we romanticise our kids. And we, um, so what you're seeing here is what is a natural community reaction around not bothering a religious leader with these little 
little people. Um, and so that's it's pretty, I would say it's pretty normal uh, in that regard. So Jesus is actually rebuking that that practice but also rebuking the disciples for going, you've got to open up your heart to be bigger than that. And it's also the disciples taking on something that they clearly weren't instructed by Jesus to do. So they've assumed that this is, we must protect this this great man. Um, so they're doing something off their own volition, their, their own thinking, their own way of, of approaching the situation instead of coming back to God and saying, okay, what's the, what's the situation now with you, Jesus? Yep. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say, and that leads into this idea, well, often we have this peaceful, serene understanding of Jesus, you know, not this idea of the Jesus that flips tables in the temple. You know, I, I, I can't see, read this part and not think that he's getting righteously angry with this. You know, how many times do I have to tell you, let the children come to me? You know, like, it's not just this, let the children come to me <laughs> and we well, will have peace together. Well, that's picked <laughs> up in uh, Eugene Peterson's message where he says, Jesus was irate. And let them know it. Yeah. Don't push these children away. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the inclusion of Jesus, and yeah. So so, and I, and I love you know it's that inclusion, and and it's actually opening up the kingdom of God for more. It's not closing it down. He's saying the kingdom of God belongs to the children like these, uh, such as these. So they're little kids, and, and and you're also also, it's the parents that are bringing them. You you got to open it yep. out. You're not leaving it. So it, it's it's to the is these. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And that's one of the really key points um, within this passage about how do we receive um, God's message in our lives? How do we place ourselves within this framework um, that we have here? And and and, and how are we moving towards entering into the kingdom of God? And it, it, there's this thought that goes around in theological circles about who does God choose, you know, and really the answer is God chooses everyone. It's just do we choose the gift? And that's what this is getting to. If we're to choose the gift, it will look like a child receiving a gift. Uh, the child is just so... Overjoyed when they receive a present, you know. I think around that imagery of a, a child's birthday and the anticipation of the birthday and, and the excitement of the morning, and you get your croissants in bed and then you get your presents, and it's like that's just something that you don't really picture when you read what it means to receive the kingdom of God like a child. And a child is so um, filled with awe and excitement and. And so trusting and believing and it's those aspects. So it's not to be childish, it's to be childlike. Um, mm. You know, it's not being childish and throwing a tantrum. But to understand that, you know, there's a simplicity and a purity and just a, a complete sort of surrender to Jesus that, you know, maybe doesn't go with your rational mind, uh, maybe you can't think it through, but it's that, you know, running into his arms and jumping on his lap type of feeling of a child. Mm. Yep. Um, so mo moving on from that little, the Jesus and little children, uh, looking at the rich, uh, rich man uh, in this passage, 
I know, Caleb, after the service, you actually had a couple of questions from people around this passage for clarification. So I'm going to throw it over to uh-huh. you to give some clarification. There's a couple of images, and we, we hit on the image of the child already, and that's that's a beautiful picture. The other one's the eye of the needle, you know, and we, we talk about this, this and we read it, and we, we put our understanding of camels and sewing needles together. And we think, how the heck... Does a camel get through a sewing needle? Or even if you do knitting or something, you know, like those sorts of eyes. What, what, after the service, a couple of people asked, actually, uh, what does that even mean? Because that's physically impossible. You've got to remember this is contextual and it's referring to something specific to Israel. Uh, in Jerusalem, there's this wall that goes around the city. And in that city, the, there's this gate. And the gate in particular is called the eye of the needle. And so what happened is, as the time developed and as wars continued to develop in that way, they would slowly close the entry hole of the gate so that when armies came in, they wouldn't be able to just bring all their chariots through. And so eventually, you, you, if you go over, and we've all been fortunate enough to actually go to Israel, uh, you notice there's these doors or these holes in the wall, which were gates, but is now just big enough for you to crawl under to get through to the next space. And it was purely a military defense thing. And so the eye of the needle is a famous one because it's got a whole heap of other significance. But for this moment, what it's actually saying is, you notice how we've caved it in and then we've caved it in again and it's at the point where you got a squeeze to get through and in particularly for a camel to get through, it would be an absolute ruckus. Like you're holding up traffic, you're, you're then trying to get it to bend down and kneel through and you're pulling it through on the other end and giving it a push from the behind. Uh, it's like that. It's not that it can't be done, but it's actually that it's so hard because we've got such a small space for a big thing in this hole in the wall being a gate. Yeah, interesting little picture. Yeah, and I think it's good to know that context and understand that that's how they took it, that they, they knew that Jesus was referring to that, that gate. And I think it also works for us who don't know that in that, you know, it's a spiritual kingdom and so the entry to the kingdom, it's not a physical thing like it needs a spiritual thing so that, you know, a big camel can pass through the eye of a needle like when Jesus walked through the wall after he'd been resurrected. There's something bigger that we don't understand, that we can't realise in the physical sense. And Jesus is saying, you need me to get into the kingdom so, of so God. So going, taking that right to the furthest point that, I, you know, we want to kind of draw it out to is that going to that application, so observing these things, we're seeing the what's there, uh, and you're, you're talking about this spiritual nature, we're talking about the, the difficulty, but it's, it's difficult, it's push and shove, that kind of thing. What does that mean for an application for us around our lives? It absolutely means we need Jesus. Well, we can't do it on our own, that we need to come to him like a child. We need to surrender to him because he is the way that we get into the kingdom of God. It is recognising his death, that he's covered our sins by that. It's recognising that he's been resurrected and he gives us the promise of new life. And that is not really um, anything that you have in a normal conversation down at the coffee shop. That's something at, at extraordinary, something that is really quite different in a different realm to the one that we live in and understand and can touch. 
It definitely doesn't mean to get your sewing game on and start using camel hair for a sweater <laughs> for your ne- new niece. Um, <laughs> but I think you're right. And it comes back to what we were talking about at the start, the dependency, you know. For me, like the application is I have to become self-aware. I need to create times to ask myself and become uh, critical of myself to say, am I dependent on like a rich young ruler, the... Um, the wealth or, or the, the status that I have? Or is it that I'm kind of like the disciples where I'm more about my position within Jesus's party and a part of the elite few? What's my dependency? And until it's purely in the trust and promise of Jesus, then actually you can't fully embrace and live in this space of the kingdom of heaven here because that's a different conversation, but that's where it starts. You know, that's where we actually start to live this life is now. Yeah, so, and, and I think the thing that we need to be uh, mindful when we read this passage, because sometimes um, people take it and go, money's evil, and, and move it to that point that, you know, money's evil because you can't have money and get into the kingdom of heaven, uh, kingdom of God. Actually, there's an interesting point because if you read Matthew's gospel... He'll say it different. <laughs> he says it as the kingdom of heaven. So he's actually, they're actually talking about the same thing. Mark refers to it as kingdom of God. Matthew refers to it as kingdom of heaven. So a little slip of the tongue from me there, flipping Matthew into Mark for a moment, but that's fine. Um, but it's, it's, it's actually knowing that money is not the issue. So, so you can actually have money and still be a faithful disciple. And God blesses some people in that way because Absolutely. they are good stewards of money. Mm. Yeah. But it's, if I may finish the yes. thought, it's actually the value you have on money. It's when the value is higher than what you value God at. Yeah, and Peterson says it this way. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. So he's holding on tight to a lot of things he says, but one of the ones that Jesus noticed and was you're relying on your money. That's where you've got your faith. You've got your faith in your possessions, in what you've accomplished. Your faith needs to be in me. So for you, you need to get rid of that because it's a stumbling block for you and you need to come follow me. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. And, 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 and that's where I think for a lot of people... That's the hardest thing. It's the stumbling block. And that's why it's called a stumbling block because uh, we always, you come across it and it will trip you up each time. It's, it's those hidden things or those really overt things that yeah. are the stumbling block in our lives. And this young ruler, he really didn't see it. And even when it was pointed out to him, he couldn't, he couldn't really accept it. Yep. And, and, you know... I think we need to ask God, what is, what's my stumbling block? Help me to accept it. Help me to be able to let go of whatever that thing is, Lord. Absolutely. And, and I think to just extend it beyond that too, this passage specifically talks about money. But this isn't the only thing that's stumbling blocks. You know, we prioritise things all the time that go above God. And to rattle a few Absolutely. off, it can be your education, yeah. your work, your family, um, it can be your your social status, can be your social media influence, um, and, and the list can go on. But the issue is that these things take the place of God. They become what we rely on instead of actually 
God being the source. Yeah, that's right. So it's a really reframing around the kingdom of God and, and what it means to be coming into the kingdom of God and two great teaching moments here. Um, and and I, love, I love how, you know, the, the, you've got this interaction with uh, the rich man and then Jesus turns to his disciples and then explains it. So you've got this interaction happen. He heads off, goes away, and then he goes, actually, we need to talk deeper about this because you're not, you're not, you're not understanding exactly what it is. And you'll notice once, as we've said previously, and I'll re-say it again, the second half of Mark's gospel is really about Jesus. Once the disciples got that he was the Messiah and was actually claimed he was the Messiah, he's now going, what does it mean that I'm the Messiah and what does it mean about the kingdom of God? What does it mean that this is where, you know, this is what life is going to be like? This is what the expectations of you are going to be about. You've recognised and now what's the change? What's the pattern of behaviours? What's the things that are going to change for ourselves? And so he's doing this through all of the interactions and this is why Mark is recording them for us. He's seeing these interactions and going, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is the change that we need to have. So he's, he's, he's heading towards Jerusalem. He's heading towards Easter all this time and he's wanting his disciples to understand what is going on and what it means to actually follow God wholeheartedly. Mm, absolutely. And I, I love that reference of Easter when we're coming into Christmas because the two go hand in hand. You know, the whole point is we're coming to Christmas because Jesus had a mission to Easter, you know. That's great. Any wrap-up, surmising thoughts you'd like to share the two of you before we, uh, we just head out? I think also in this is the patience of Jesus. You know, you guys don't get it. Now you don't get it with this. But look, this is what I'm telling you. And he says that over and over in the passage next week really will speak to that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. <laughs> It's going to be a good one. <laughs> we're not we're not putting anybody, you know, uh, filling big shoes there. Josh is going to be bringing the message next week, um, and we're really looking forward to that um, and, and the depth that he will bring into that passage as well. Um, for me, I I, I I want to kind of just resound what Kerry was saying in that space, uh, just about that. Um, Jesus is is opening up the kingdom to everybody, but there is still standards within that space as well so we need to kind of understand that that the the invitation is open to everybody but even within that you know there is still a level of standard of behavior and, and life for people to attain to mm, absolutely and i completely agree with what you've both said and i think one more thing is just that jesus uses language that people understand and in this, he's used children as examples. He's used metaphors of gates to represent things. I just, it's it's incredible how he ref, like puts it in that place so that we he we can understand, but the people more so that he was with understood. I think that's just a good challenge for us too. All right, guys, it's great that you joined us. Um, what I'd really encourage you with is just to continue to meditate in that passage. Just soak it. It's so good and. Um, just continue to sit on it and just ask God to just give you give you aspects of it to speak to you because it's a fantastic passage and there's a reason why those are so well known. Um, I really encourage you to tap in on Sunday. As we said, Josh is bringing the next message and 
That is going to be wild. I've been listening to him practice it all week. No, he's going to do a great job. And um, we're looking forward and we love seeing how he steps into preaching. Uh, if you do have questions, please don't hesitate again to put them in because we will come around to them. And uh, we do love when we can actually answer specific stuff for you. So please do continue to do that. Also, we got to do our tags. Check out the YouTube and the Facebook and there's content going on there all the time. Um, so there's even a TikTok, which is if you're young enough to have that, then you can jump on the TikTok. But uh, it's great stuff and it's just all part of the life of the church. So we encourage you to get involved as many ways as you can. So uh, jump into that. Thank you, Simon, for your message. And uh, it's been great doing this talk together. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Shalom. <laughs>